My name's Jason. I'm one of the pastors here who is on sabbatical. Yeah, we planned this worship series a couple months ago, and this service was planned, and uh, this vision casting time was something that I was like, yes, I so want to do this. This is going to be great. And then we had our friends Daniel and Jana Ross come back from Ukraine, and we're like, oh, we got to tell their story, and then this got pushed back a week. So I have been unplugging this week, or learning, trying I don't know, trying to figure out what unplugging looks like <laughs> for the next uh, 12 weeks. And, uh, but uh, this was planned. I wanted to just be a part of this because you guys are our family. And so here we are. So this morning, we wanted to take a few minutes as we talk about this topic of worship. And Randy's going to be teaching on why we do this together, why we do this as a body. Um, but why do we sing? And on top of that, why do we sing what we sing? Why do we choose the songs we do? So we wanted to take just a few minutes and just kind of share some of the thought process, some of the um, reasons that we use, some of the filters, um, but what we feel God has called us to do as we plan and lead worship for, uh, for us as a church. And so one of the most prolific commands in the Bible is to sing. That is just plain. Okay, that we're to sing praise, we're to sing to the Lord with gladness, we're to enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts, we're even to sing to one another. I don't know when the last time was that you walked up to somebody or at the finish, you know, you had dinner with somebody and at the end you, the Lord bless you and keep you. You know, we don't do that anymore. Maybe we should, I don't know. But the Bible tells us to sing. That it is a part of our faith journey. It's a part of being a church, a family of Christ followers. That we're commanded to sing. And so we just want you to know that what we do up here is not, you know, we don't sing because, well, we hired some guy that can sing and play guitar. And, you know, well, since he's on staff, we got to sing. You know, and, and singing is not this runway toward God's word that the sermon is incredibly important, and it's a huge part of what we do. But the singing is not just this ramp or a runway, that the singing is God's word. That as we sing the words, we're singing directly from the Psalms, we're singing directly from Scripture. And so these are songs that are God's word, and it's our chance to come together because what we do as a band and vocals and blah, 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 it's not about being professional. I mean, a lot of church culture today says you got to have the best musicians and the best songs and the smoke and the lights and the mirrors and blah, 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 whatever, right? It's not about being professional. That what we do as, as a church is not a professional standard of worship because worship is more about our confession. And so the standard is our confessional as a body. That we are coming together not to, not to listen to songs, but to confess together. I mean, the song that we just sang, we were beggars, but now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, but now we're running free because we were forgiven, we're accepted, we're redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. And so it's an opportunity for us to come together as a family, to come together and confess what God has done, what he's done in us, what he's doing in and through us. It's our chance to do that. That we come together and, and we sing to the God who heals, 
We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on the cross and then he rose up from the grave. My God is still rolling stones away. And so we confess these things together. We sing together. We enter the house of God singing together. You know, I've had the opportunity to be on both sides of the guitar from this side and at that table up there with the little headset mic, the big boy mic, as one pastor called it one time. <laughs> I've had the opportunity to teach. I've had the opportunity to lead worship. And the reason we teach is so that we understand God's word. That we break down God's word and we build this deeper understanding in us of what God means. But honestly, do you remember my big idea from my sermon six months ago? I don't even, and I wrote the thing. I don't know. I don't remember. The, I remember the concepts. I remember what I learned by digging into God's word, but I don't remember the actual words. And so our songs, the reason we sing songs is that those become the container, the vehicle, the, the, the way we carry our theology with us out of this church, out of this building into our lives each and every day, that this theology goes with us. I mean, if you think about the great hymn, my amazing works, how great they are. I saved me from my sin. No, that's not our theology, is it? Our works don't save us. What saves us? Sing it with me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And that is why we sing what we sing, is we take these songs into our lives, and it's the theology by which we gauge our actions, we gauge our thoughts. And think about some of the wonderful songs you learned as a kid if you had the opportunity to grow up in church or in a family of faith, think about some of those songs. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And it doesn't matter if you add different colors in there or say it in different rhythms or different melodies. None of that matters because when our culture feels like our hair is on fire and racial reconciliation and there's just a mess in our world, that is the theology by which we should be falling back on. Red, brown, yellow, black, white, all are precious in his sight. Help me, Jesus, to love others. Because that's what, that's what song is teaching us. Love others well. So we sing songs because we're commanded to. We sing songs because this is what we carry into our daily lives. That's why I think my parents always said, you know, you're not just listening to the groove. Those lyrics mean, I'm not listening to the words, Dad. No, those words are getting inside you. It's because we carry those words, we carry those messages with us each and every day. So when we choose songs, I feel like there is a huge burden on me as a pastor, as a worship leader. And I know Zach, Randy, Bob, we all feel this, that if we're going to sing songs and it's that important, that specific in God's word, then we've got to be careful at what we pick. I mean, there's a lot of songs that I absolutely love. There are songs that mean great things to me in my personal walk that we'll never sing here. Why is that? 
I mean, there's songs that connect greatly with you, and, but they're probably not going to make it to the church. So why, why do we have these different songs that work well in church and work in our own lives? And so there's a few filters that we run songs through. The first and most important for us is this, that the song has to be biblical. It has to be theologically correct. We do not want any gray area. If this is the theology that we carry into our week, that 20, 30 years from now, we hope we're singing and hearing this theology in our lives, we're going to be careful with that. We want to make sure these songs are theologically correct. The second filter is that they're clear that they don't confuse. I mean, as artists, we like to create these cool metaphors and, you know, throw these colorful language out there and, you know, and that's all well and good and great, but sometimes we can take it a step too far. I mean, y'all know the song, How He Loves, right? You know, oh, how he loves us. So I could, I lost the chorus there for a second. But one of the, the second verse says that God's love is, it, it catches us like an unforeseen kiss. We've sang that line before, sung, sang, singed. We sing that line before, right? <laughs> the original words is a sloppy wet kiss. I, I mean, it's a great debate among worship leaders. Which line are you going to sing? We're going to do unforeseen kiss because it's a little clearer. It doesn't create word images of, are you, so God's love is like my dog that <laughs> catches me at 3 a.m. in the night because he's hungry. I don't know. And so how is it clear? Is it accurate? Is it clear? And then we always want to ask the question, do we feel like this is something that will be long-lasting? We sing songs of, of faith from hundreds and thousands of years old, from Wesley and, and uh, Luther, and we're going to talk about another great one that I'm not going to steal your thunder from, Randy. We sing these songs for generations. And so songs that we introduce today are the songs of our generation, and are these going to be ones that stand the test of time? There's certainly some that we look at and go, yeah, that's kind of a fad. It's hip, it's cool, but I don't think it's going to stand the test of time. The fourth filter is whether or not it's singable. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but um, we want to make sure that our, our songs are singable because participation matters for us. That when we come on Monday or Tuesday and we say, hey, you know, how do we think church went? Our first question as pastors really should be, but did we sing? It was a great song, sure, but did the people sing? Did we participate together in that confessional standard of proclaiming who God is together? And so is it, is it singable? Is it something that musically we can do as a band? I mean, a song that was written on the pipe organ is really hard to do today in our modern worship settings. So how do we make these work? And so some of those are the filters that we run through. And so our, our commitment to you is that we want to bring theologically accurate, clear about who God is and what he expects of us, that we feel like this is something that will last for days. I mean, we've taught songs that we did once. We've rehearsed songs that never made it to Sunday. One of, my, oh, one of my favorite ones. It's amazing. How great is God's love? It's, it's an amazing song, but there's just no way we're going to do it. It's just not going to work as a church. And often, you know, we hear songs on Christian radio and our culture today, and we think, oh, that would be great. And, and often, honestly, sometimes our, our heart breaks with some of the music that we hear. 
that um, is Keith Getty, one of the great hymn writers of our day. Um, Keith Getty made the comment in one of his books called Sing, um, where he said, you know, often we see where our musicality exceeds our theology. That our musically, musically it's great, but we've not thought about the theology. And a lot of times those songs make it to air. Or it's about a theology that's not accurate. Or it's from a church that has really horrible theology. And so we feel a responsibility that what we bring to you is good stuff. It is something that you can take into your daily personal worship and use each and every day. Because we sing, we choose songs for us to participate together because that's the core of it. That we're coming together to participate. I remember a long time ago, the first day that I got to lead worship from a guitar with a band, with an entire worship choir, it was the first day I got to do that, not wearing a double-breasted black suit with a tie and dress shoes. We were in a church with no air conditioning in July, and we said, you know what? Business casual is probably okay. And people, we didn't get it. But we're supposed to bring our best to God. Wear our best is what they were saying. And yet we would sing songs of the faith. We, I remember singing, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. And one of our elders is just sitting there, just bored as can be with his arm on the pew. And I was like, that is where we should be bringing our best. We sing together so that we can bring our best to God, to engage our heart, our mind, our soul, to give our life to God in worship. And so it doesn't matter if we're sitting, it doesn't matter if we're standing, if we're kneeling, we're jumping around because, you know, I grew up in a Baptist Bible Belt church. Um, Emotion was not good, so I learned to... You know, I learned to play the guitar very, you know. Whatever we do, the Bible says our posture is important. But the most important part is our participation. And so are we engaging our heart and our mind in worship? When we're singing songs, when we're praying prayers, when we're reading scripture, when we're listening to the word of God explained and divided for us, are we participating? So that's why we sing. That's why we choose the songs that we choose. And so if you're able, we invite you to stand. If that is how you want to worship, if, you know, just to, just to say, there is often a tension sometimes of we're doing a song and I see people kind of on the edge of their seats like, I want to stand on this song, but I don't want to be the first to stand. Y'all, this is us coming together. We are a family. And so please, please, please feel free to worship as God is calling you to worship, to participate. Yes, One sir. One more thing. You said first service that you didn't say. What did time. I leave out? And it's so good. Oh, it's good? Is that we are not a band singing oh, to yes. you. We are all collectively singing together to an audience of one God. That's the person we're singing Amen. to right now. So we are all performing together right now for our Lord to worship him. That's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, this isn't American Idol. Yeah. Or The Voice. We would not make it fun. Oh, okay. One more story. Because this was from, uh, this is one of the stories that Keith Getty shared. You know, you know, a lot of times we make the joke, you know, sing to the Lord. Well, I'll make at least a joyful noise, right? 
Keith tells a story about his three daughters. And he's teaching them the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. And his first daughter, who is, you know, the first child always wants to be perfect, right? <laughs> holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Dad, what did you think of that? And he's like, that was maybe one of the best versions of Holy, Holy I've ever heard. And he says, then my second daughter, my maverick, the one who doesn't like following the rules, is like, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're getting there. And he said, then his youngest, who is just two, two years old, says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, up above the world so high, like a di- holy, holy. And so she was mixing songs, and he said, which of the three songs that I heard that day meant the most to me as a father? The one that was most memorable. Was it the perfect? Was it the sarcastic? Or was it the one that is just giving her best? And so give your best as we sing today.